Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about veteran Nadal and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy, and it is time to preview the 2022 Roland Garros draw, where Nadal and Djokovic are, quite frankly, the main headline. We knew this was a possibility. Nadal, the number five seed after not putting putting in results over the course of the clay court season, he entered you know, after Indian Wells, he was in the top four seating. And I think we assumed on this very show that, okay, he's got it in the bag. He's looking great. He's going to be a top four seed. Didn't happen after the rib injury. And, um, and of course the, the foot injury pull, uh, taking him out early in Rome. Um, although I'm not sure that would have mattered actually, because that's too late for the seedings as a fan, Amy, as a media member, what's your emotion? Like, are you upset that this is the draw or are you okay with it or happy? My emotion is like Murphy's law. Of course, this is the way it happened. Um, you know, I'm a Libra um, and we like fairness and balance and the draw in my opinion is out of balance. So I don't like this at all. I think that Tennis should examine doing specialty seedings and for surface specific. And it just doesn't make any sense to me that Medvedev is sitting over there on the other side of the draw. And, you know, it, it's, it's in a place that he doesn't belong and that the blockbusters, the real blockbuster matches are going to happen well before the main event. Wow, Libra, wow. Let's hear the Gemini speak. Because to me, <laughs> when I think of things like fairness, I think that's the nature of a draw. And I've been at numerous slams, as I'm sure you two have too, where it's like something occurs that makes you think, oh, gee, why didn't that happen? Can't something else happen? Why is this person there? And to me, that's the very nature of a draw. So I'm of, sure, of course, it would be something more compelling in a way to have them meet in the semis or the finals and the clash. It's like, this is part of the game. To me, this is part of the game. And that is the fairness. That is the fairness of the game because the other stuff can get a real slippery slope. There are numerous things of, of different things being done with, with draws and different things being attempted. Um, I, would, I could see, okay, if you wanna create a waiting somewhat similar to what Wimbledon did for many years, maybe do that, but I don't know what that, I don't know what that would have necessarily done for Nadal in this case anyway, but it's, it's, it's moot. So I don't know. It's just kind of like, so here we have it. I mean, you're right. And there's, and there's this draw. And to me also uh, draw, draw casting to me is worth about a round or two at the most. I, I don't mm -hmm. like, I mean, I've done, I've done several things sometimes over the years where I've had to do the projected 16s and what of all 16 get there. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm bracketing off 16 men and 16 women. It's like, yeah, things happen. Things are going to happen. 
and then we'll see. Of course, last year we had a similar thing with Nadal and Djokovic being the co-favorites and they met in the semifinal, obviously not the final one round later than what, what we would potentially get this year. Uh, but it, it was really the expected players coming through. The semis was Zverev, Tsitsipas, Nadal, Djokovic, which is exactly what you would have written up as the, the chalk picks. I don't mind it unless you have a situation and you never know if it's going to happen, unless you have a situation like Wimbledon 2018, where the final is, it's a dud. Um, you know, I mean, it's right. It, you knew that. But so that's, that's the Isner Anderson. But you can't, you can't draw, you can't, you can't draw and script. You know what I mean? No, no, I, I get that. I'm just saying like, if I'm, if uh, we're talking about, if we're, a, if we're disappointed that the draw was this, right? And I'm saying, I'm saying that I think the tournament is going to be okay. I think in terms of like climaxing, because Amy's right, you want it to get better and better as it goes, right? You don't want the climax to be in the quarterfinal. But you don't know, but well, you don't know it, that. It's, it's, not just, it's not just Nadal and Djokovic being in the, um, same quarter. It's also Alcaraz and mm -hmm. Zverev being on that side. It's just, to me, it's not weighted properly. But, you know, part of this is that these go by the ATP rankings. And, you know, I, I'm not, I think that the ATP rankings could be somehow more reflective of, there, there could be a different algorithm. And, and don't, you know, ping me too much on this because yeah. I haven't really figured it out. It's just everything seems so delayed. And um, for Medvedev to be such a high seed in this tournament, knowing that he's coming off of surgery, he, his best surface by far is not clay. Um, his home country has not that that should, you know, depend on his seating, but his home country has invaded another country. I mean, he's just if like I just wrote, if you could short a player, I would short him because there's almost nothing in that guy's favor. And yet, you know, he's, um, he's got a really high ranking and an easy draw for or very high seating and an easy draw for this tournament. So it's not that I'm proposing very specific things to remedy the situation. It's just that you asked me my emotion and I, I feel that it's a little out of whack. Well, right. I get, I acknowledge that. And I get also, let's not forget also, he's, he's played one clay match. He did play a clay match this year. Medvedev? Yeah, he, he lost to Gasquet the other day. He's played one right. match. Right. Yeah, he lost. Yeah, one match. So that's another thing that compels the short. I and my tennis.com, they asked us to do some pre-tournament forecast. And one thing is to say, which seed will lose earlier than you think. And also his his third round, that's Kekmanovic. That's not... Uh, yeah. That's not an easy third round. And um, I don't think, I don't think there's any solution to it. In other words, I think unless you do something way, way in advance that says what seedings and ratings are rankings are. Otherwise you do this thing. I've heard about people in, uh, in some tournaments, not pro tournaments, but they hear what the seedings are and then they file all their various appeals. These are, these are not um, sanctioned uh, pro tournaments, but they do that. And I don't think that can work that way in tennis. I think that's just the way, tennis kind of goes and the climax just because that's a grand match that's another no, the climax it's called the finals that is the finals so it's the most dramatic match that might occur earlier there might be a match that we don't even between two people we never heard of that goes um 
you know, the distance in the fifth. And that's a great match, but the, that it, it moves towards that. And that's just kind of how the storyline of a tournament goes. And, and I also think once upon a time, everybody was nobody. So somebody's, somebody may, there's a reasonable chance that somebody on that lower half is going to get to the finals of Roland Garros who's never been there before. That's pretty interesting. So that could be, that's a really good player simply by dint of having done that. Yeah, if, if Tsitsipas isn't there, it's likely going to be someone surprising that, that we don't expect in the, in the final. Uh, the ranking system, you know, it's meant to be fair. It's not meant to be accurate, right? It doesn't attempt to... It's not meant to be contemporaneous. It's not meant to be... It, it's not meant to weigh the most recent three months over the, over, the, over the prior 12 months. Yeah, it's not meant to weigh surface either. It's not concerned with figuring out what the Roland Garros seed should be. It's, it's just the system is not concerned with that at all. And it is what it is. But let's move on to um, what this actually means for Nadal and Djokovic. I, I think the, the common logic behind this is, okay, they're at a disadvantage now. If they play in the quarterfinal, they might have less juice for the next two rounds. Mm -hmm. Is that a real concern? Or Joel, is that just something that people like to talk about because there's no tennis to talk about because the draw just came out and people need something to talk about? Yes, to all of the above. <laughs> I think the concern this time though, when they met in the quarters in 2015, that was far more emotional and potentially physical for Novak, more emotional and he proved then he ended up losing the finals to Rarinka on the day of Rarinka's life, where Stan played an unbelievable match. Um, I think for Nadal, it's a, it's a physical, emotional dilemma, not thing, situation. That's 75% physical and 25% emotional. Because it, for him to win that match, given what he's been through and where he's at physically, if that a match occurs, is going to take a lot of effort in a lot of ways. And then we'll have to see. And that's part of the tennis deal also. That's part of, that's part of what happens to the game. So yeah, that's a little, that's a little, the way it goes. And neither is going to say it's unfortunate we have to meet that early. Right. Nobody's going to say that. That's not what they do. It's about the fans and the media and the pundits, you know, but grumbling and moaning. <laughs> I'm past I had I had moments in my media journey where I looked at that and I saw something like happened. Oh, gee, I got I got This is a quarterfinal. Why isn't this a semifinal? And I think I I I gave I divested that. Well, I, you know what helped me divest that was when uh, 2001 when I saw Sampras met Agassi and I was the quarters and it was the best match they ever played of mm -hmm. their 34 matches. It was the highest quality. You ball boying that night, Gil? Uh, no, but, but I did, I did go back and watch it, Joel, on YouTube during the pandemic, the entire match. And I saw yourself and Steve Flink in the media section <laughs> on TV. So I can <laughs> confirm that you were there. I was so much younger than I'm older than <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, I guess you were two, right? You were two that day? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Mike Baldwin. I mean, I don't want to divest myself of my feelings on that. You know, it's just the way I feel. Um, the NCAA college basketball tournament here in the United States does seedings based on, you know, a, a perception of performance by a panel. 
Um, and people actually enjoy it. They, they, when the brackets come out, they like to discuss it and debate it and all that. Um, you know, I just, I, uh, I don't want one of our three or Alcaraz who have earned really with their really stellar results. Um, I don't want them to uh, be punished. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is. And once the tournament gets underway, nobody really cares. And, and we have a lot to look forward to. Um, I wish that if Novak and Rafa were going to be in the same quarter, that Alcaraz could have been in the other half. But, you know, I'll live. I'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced that it's a common occurrence that at the end of tournaments are three or other great players often play a long match in the major championship format and lose the next round because of it. I'm just not convinced that that's a, I'm sure there are moments that it happens. I have seen players wear down throughout the tournament. It's important to get through the first week fresh. I think that's true, but there are so many examples of, first of all, the fatigue, not being a factor. I mean, Djokovic had this incredible, you know, last year, this incredible emotional and physical epic in the semis and was down two sets to love and had the gas to come back, right? But also because we have, I guess, like uh, attribution error sometimes, you know, a match, let's say it's a 50-50 match. There was a close match in the round prior. The player who had the long physical match loses it's easy to say oh he was gassed because of the last match maybe he just lost right so so Bill, you yourself said that recently and i'm racking right. my brain i i okay maybe not maybe not i shouldn't i shouldn't say no, that it, it, it involved it involves verev and i can't remember okay. the tournament or when that was but it was like credits verev because he wore down it had to have been one of our yeah. three. Otherwise, we weren't talking about it. I believe in fatigue, match-to-match -match fatigue. I really do. I think the best of five day off in between format when these guys are at peak physical fitness, I think they I think they love that. I think it's great. I think that's why we've seen them do so much better at the slams by percentage of tournaments won than they have at the Masters. So I, I just don't think it's as much of, okay, Rome, going from Madrid to Rome back-to-back, -back, you just won Madrid. Now you're in the semis of Rome. I think that is hard as heck. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Mm-hmm. I agree. It matches every day. The match every day aspect that we saw, we, we, we covered it in Zverev most of all, some scheduling challenges of, of playing. And you also have that happen to him in Acapulco where you, you play into the wee hours of the morning and then you got to play the next day. The day off at the majors is a thing. The experienced players are, are used to that. So you're saying instead of a, a, a recency bias, you want to have a, a decency bias. Sometimes you just get beaten by a guy who beat you, not because you're gassed, not because he had an easier prior match, just because he's better. He beat you. Right. You have to watch the match and make a determination. But right. too many people have it as a built-in explanation instead of seeing what the match looks like and like if someone's gassed okay they're gassed and it some players might be more susceptible to it than others but if they're not gassed maybe they just played a long match and lost the next one like that can happen anyway so I just want to get that out of the way that I'm not fully convinced that that is a common occurrence for our three and I know they're they're older now as well but well, this is an issue that won't be going away because um, now Roland Garros has this night session. So, you know, this is going to be even more a topic of discussion. And the way that it appears that they schedule it, the, the top contenders uh, take turns doing the night session. So it's not like somebody's on the night schedule the whole way through the tournament, you know, and they, they get used to their sleep routines and stuff like that. No, somebody's going to do that different routine at some point in the tournament. At least that's the way they did it last year. Well, that's really interesting. That'll be like the once upon a time at the U.S. Open before Ash Stadium. The, the night session was kind of the short straw because the lights weren't as good. And it's like uh, Bjorn Borg had a lot of difficulty with that. It's like, oh, I got the night session. I got to play Roscoe Tanner, who's a big server. It's like the night. But now Clay the night session, the weather, at least the day off of recovery. But I think, I think if you're going to play the night session, you pay close attention to the day session to see if you don't create this traffic jam. And it'll be interesting to see how many, how many matches are scheduled on Satrier by day so they can clear it out for this night session. And it's very interesting. And, and Clay, Clay creates some challenges for that because the points are so much longer, not so much longer, but notably longer. I mean, we saw that all spring in, in Madrid and Rome. What about the idea? Um, what about the idea that if Nadal and I think we discussed this last year, the two times Djokovic has beaten Nadal on court, Philippe Chatrier, it was a quarterfinal in 2015 and a semifinal in 2021. Is there really something about Nadal on a Sunday that gives him a little something extra at Roland Garros with the pedigree that he has, Amy? Yes, I think he has proven over his Grand Slam history that on final Sunday, he's going to bring something superhuman. But Djokovic is as well. That's why I wish they could meet in the finals. But we, we actually don't know the status of Nadal right now. Sure. Zero idea. So much has been said and videos taken and Rafa tweeted today. And just nobody knows what kind of shape or condition he's going to be in. Let's talk about that. Well, I just want to cut back to this thing okay. about Rafa in the finals. I think in the finals, he, um, yeah, he, sees a, he sees a finish line. And you see, for example, the 2020 final. Okay, one big push and let's just give it all and we'll just collapse. I mean, that's the whole 
that's the whole special part. And again, and Novak does that too. I mean, look at Novak in all these finals that he's won. But Rafa's something about that Chatrier is is very very special. So yeah, you want to talk what about Nadal and his health? Yeah. But I think this draw though is pretty favorable for him that way on the exertion front. I don't know what you guys think. Jordan Thompson, maybe Rowinka. And it's not it's not it's not Schwartzman in his you know it's not as physically labor intensive as some of the other opponents. Yeah, I think he's glad it's not Schwartzman. Um, he gets Jordan Thompson in the first round. Let's let's wait a second and we'll end with just a quick uh, summary of what we can see in that match. Uh, plays the winner of Boutet and Vavrinka. Opelka and FAA, you know, two big servers who, I mean, Opelka a different level than, than FAA and FAA is of course more mobile. Uh, those are the top seeds. And uh, the round three, Botik von de Zanschko, who I'm, I'm very high on, I think he's great playing great tennis. Um, but obviously not uh, not at a top 10 on clay kind of level. Uh, but also Fabio Fanini, who has beaten Nadal, has just had great success against Nadal relatively compared to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the difference that they are as players overall. Fanini has a, a bunch of wins, including the U.S. Open, from down two sets to love. So, Amy, no. do, you th- do you agree with? Go yeah, ahead, go. I, Botic was the name that jumped out at me. Go yeah. ahead, Joel. Yeah, no, Fanini doesn't jump out at me as a significant contender that way anymore. I think, I think the what the U.S. Open win seven years ago, and I think Fanini is going to be like, it's like that's that's an easy question for it. Nadal knows the answer to that question. But Fanini, it doesn't mean he he's not going to have to work, and Fanini's not going to hit. He'll hit twenty-seven winners and and some great shots. But I think Nadal knows how to kind of squeeze Fanini well enough, and so. And, um, you know, what about, and there's, there's Kertsev in there too. So that's kind of interesting, but again, um, Nadal, it's not a bad, I mean, we don't know these qualifiers who, who are in there also yet, but, uh, it's not a bad section for him. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I do now, of course it's more about Nadal. And I think, right. That is to say that it's not the opponent that is necessarily going to be uh, a huge problem, but it might be Nadal himself. Uh, that's kind of what I think that means. I'm kind of ignoring all of the analysis that I'm seeing from people watching him practice. I mean, can we, uh, what, what do we think of that? I just think that you cannot put really any weight into what he's looking like uh, at a practice level intensity. Now, I mean, Nadal hits the, I mean, he hits the ball a hundred million miles per hour. And then everyone says, Oh my God, he looks incredible. That's not really what I'm concerned about. Okay. I'm concerned about him going from corner to corner to corner for three hours. And that's not practice. Yeah. I, I didn't even look at it today. And normally I look at that kind of thing just cause I like to, um, I did see the video of him practicing at his academy where he was hitting the ball very hard, but he wasn't being moved side to side. Um, and that concerned me. And then I did read a report that he was in pain after practicing at his academy. Other than that, I just haven't watched it because I'm scared that I might see something that, that he's hurt or something. You know, it's interesting though, as I hear this talk about these things, I just think back to like well over a year ago when we had to talk about Federer. Remember we saw Federer practicing and you saw something, Amy, and how Federer, what he missed hit a backhand and you 
you read that as a tea leaf and I go, ah, oh, gee, this is a hit. But sure enough, you're right. So it, it proved kind of revealing about an aspect of Roger, but I, I you know, people practice things. I mean, and, and Nadal, we, um, we don't know. We don't know. And we're going to, and we'll see, we'll see after each and every match and we'll still see. I, I think though, in it's odd way though, the um, best of five with days off is more physically favorable to the greater players than these compressed masters thou two out of three where someone can play 1.7 good sets and squeak you out you know it's like the 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 task of climbing the best of five set mountain versus these guys is daunting for any opponent can i keep this up that's a really good point joel and as we know because we've all played matches before preparing mentally for a match is it's kind of a mountain to climb and you start with your routines and you watch what you eat and you pack your bag a certain way and you um, warm up sometimes for as much as an hour or maybe you hit that morning I mean it is an exhausting process just to go through prep for a match so having to do that every day is very very tiring so i've heard many players say men and women that they enjoy the off day of the grand slam and the rhythm of it have a have, raise your hand if you've ever played five sets of singles in one helping you guys ever do that yeah, i plan on doing it at, at some point but no do it sooner while you're still in your 20s gil <laughs> i did it twice i did it once when i was like at 16 and i did it another time when i was about 32 and i'll tell you it's it's an intriguing physical experience and granted I'm not a, I'm no world-class athlete but just the the feelings and the ebbs and the flows and the points and just kind of like it's like it's like reading a 900 page book and and you talk with pros about it you know there's a lot less um situations to train for it to actually do it to Davis Cup has been streamlined no more best of five and anything other than the majors am I right I mean they, they used to have it in some of the masters thousands so uh the great Roy Emerson, what he would do sometimes, is very simple thing he would do to practice for these matches. Play six sets. Play six wow. sets to practice. <laughs> I mean, wow. but it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of logical, isn't it? It's kind mm -hmm. of play play as long as you don't hurt yourself. When did yeah. he retire? Joel, what age did he retire? Emerson? Yeah. Emerson won the Wimbledon doubles when he was 34. He got to Wimbledon quarters when he was 33. There you go. They were they were playing on softer surfaces then, and I get that. But still, um, it's and I, I had the good fortune of being on court with Emerson a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, I don't know that he is retired. Still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I see him at this fantasy camp. I go to John Newcombs. He loves being on the court. He's a total court rat. But you know, these guys put a lot of miles. This is a guy who uh, who not in one single point in the twenty years he played Wimbledon ever served and stayed back singles or doubles first mm -hmm. second serve different different game different deal yeah. different but still the, the idea of training like for example i wonder how many of these players the contenders who wish to beat novak or rafa have they when was the last time they played three sets in practice much less five much less six regardless mm -hmm. of how physical the game is hmm. yeah well i i think it's a good point about the days off and uh I was talking to Sophie Amiak, former pro, about a, a, a women's player who I forget. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I remember who it was now. Svitolina. Amazing results in outside of majors. 
not as good at majors. It's the same format. And I said, what, what is with this? And Sophie's like, she doesn't like the day off. So. Oh, she doesn't like the day off. She doesn't like it. It, it gives her too much time to think. And maybe it kind of fries her mentally and fries her nerves. How interesting. So, okay. So no day off to save the tennis. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yep. Let's talk about uh, Djokovic's section. Anything stands out here? Uh, he will play Nishioka round one. Again, let's save that. Uh, winner of uh, Choria and Molchan. They played this morning. Molchan won, I think it was 6-3, 6-2 in, um, um, it was Lyon. And uh, Dimitrov and Schwartzman are the top seeds on the other side. Um, I'll just say, you know, I mean, Molchan is similar to, to Von de Zanschkulp on like a lower level. I, I like Molchan a lot. Uh, he actually played Djokovic in the Belgrade two final and it was an absolute blowout. Uh, he's not ready for, for this kind of moment, but uh, I, I am a fan of him and I'm excited for more people to watch him play. That's what happens when you play a, a player like Djokovic at a major. Um, Amy, what do you think of Djokovic's section? Yeah, I don't anticipate any problems, especially with the way that Novak's been playing and has primed himself to peak at Roland Garros. Honestly, um, Schwartzman, Dimitrov, um, none, none of those guys really. I mean, Diego hasn't been playing. He's been playing okay, but he's, he's not like Diego pre-pandemic. Um, Dimitrov, Dimitrov has been playing well, but, um, he doesn't seem to make it past the quarterfinals or he, he, he seems to have like a good run, but you know, nothing awesome. And I don't think that clay is his best surface anyway. I would agree with that. Um, I think though, a few odd situations looking through the draw, just oddly. Okay. Rooksby hasn't played on clay that much. Cuevas is kind of a wild slasher something that could be kind of intriguing post prime what's that post prime post prime post prime but if he plays in a weird way a guy like that will give himself a different kind of shot against the novak because he's just going to throw some punches and try to do something whereas these other guys like i see Korich who's coming back and these other ones novak novak is kind of the house money these days you know it's all it's funny oftentimes we hear how the player with the big weapons like a sampras or a fetter it's like well, they have to adjust to me in my game. But that's kind of what it is playing Novak. I think for Novak in this first few rounds, it's just I've got my tempo. I think that Rome, the, the whole methodical approach and capping off with Rome kind of vindicated how Novak has approached 2022. I don't have that many miles. Yeah, I didn't do that whole hardcore thing. Look at me now. It's kind of like the thing we said last time. Look at the, the switch of the way the years have gone for Nadal and Djokovic. Oddly enough, how, who'd have thunk it? Nadal! doing well through the hardcore season and then his body betrays him. Novak, not as much hardcore. And then, but you see, uh, you see Cuevas, um, an odd scenario could see Dimitrov beating a Schwartzman, but that would make it even easier for Novak because I think uh, Dimitrov Novak, I know this is looking way ahead on the draw casting is um, that's a nice matchup for Novak on clay. Just a, a little note to mention, uh, Molchan is now being coached by Marion Vida. Right? Oh, you know what? That's incredible that I didn't think of that. Good. Uh, yeah, good so that, that could be, you know, kind of a hug it out kind of moment. But I, I don't, I mean, I don't see Novak letting that one get by him. Oh, no, I think that's kind of a neat one. That's like, didn't we have uh, 
didn't Felix, when he was working with Uncle Tony, play Rafa once? And we saw, you know, that's kind of like one of those, oh yeah, there you are. And so <laughs> there you are. And and so what? So uh, Vida's going to give all the secrets and he still won't give all the secrets because yeah. he won't know all the secrets. And, but but it's kind of a, a little a little platlet, a little mm -hmm. nice little thing. Yeah, us us broadcasters will appreciate it as as a storyline. I think the person who will be most uncomfortable with that will definitely be Vida. Agreed. I mean, I don't think Molchan will think about it much. I don't think Novak will. I mean, once you're in the match, you have something to really, you know, focus on and, and be in the zone and in the moment you have an opponent. Uh, Vida's going to be sitting there and I feel like it might be a little weird for him. Yeah, I guess. No, I, I think I think, think it's weird. Uh, well, I if I had to guess, and I don't have any insider knowledge, um, I would guess that Marion and Novak still chat from time to time or keep in touch. So um, I think it would probably be more like, oh yeah, we, you know, we just caught up the other day on the practice court. You know, it's, it wouldn't be awkward, I don't think, no, because- I think it's awkward, but I think it'll be just, I agree that of those three, the one who's gonna be having the most emotions going on will be Vida because it's like, I was, embedded with this with Novak for so long. And I just think I have so much respect for him because of the whole waves he rode through, the loyalty he had, the even knowing he had to take a back seat at times, the coming back, the parting, and, and pretty much to my knowledge, never saying anything publicly about anything, no secrets, no rancor, no nothing. He just was loyal. And now he's, yeah, they're probably still they might still be cordial and friendly and and now he's with this other guy so it's going to stir some things up in him but yeah vida vida did tell saza osmo that um he told goran that he was going to coach molchan and relied on goran to to tell novak so i'm not sure they're chatting frequently but i also believe that novak as he says you know family forever uh marrying yeah. vida i just think it's going to be weird watching Novak lose the point and you're Vida and I almost think you have a reflex to, 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 to be happy about that and uh, not upset. So <laughs> um, let's get to the first round opponents. And I mean, I don't know how much there's going to be said about, about this, but I'll just lay out the information. Uh, Djokovic has a 2-0 head-to-head with uh, Yoshi Nishioka um, meeting in Davis Cup, best of five sets. Um and then another one, I'm, I didn't write it down. Uh, anyway, five love in sets. Six three was the closest score they've had in any of the sets. Nishioka is an, kind of an underpowered player who doesn't like clay. He hasn't won a main draw match on clay this year. He qualified in Munich, lost first round to Rusevori. Then he lost to Musetti and Sarundolo in Madrid and Rome qualies. Um, but he's a lefty. Good luck. He's Good a lefty luck. with an extreme grip, Joel. <laughs> Let's do the extreme grip. So then, okay. Not, so Nadal then, doesn't have an extreme grip. Let me be clear. It's just the spin is almost like he does. So, so. does does Novak deploy some of the tactics that are going to help him win the tournament? Or does he just want to win the match? And so the question for a great, great player in the early rounds is, do they do some R&D on a few other things that add their game? Whether it's in Novak's case, okay, backhand return down the line to the backhand, or, or you just go with the meat and potatoes, cross court and it's kind of be a very of things i mean it's like i mean it's a yeah it's a very comfortable matchup for novak very i i think you're less likely to do r d at this tournament 
the first, second, third round at Roland Garros only because you've been through the entire clay season and you've gotten acclimated to the surface. And this is this is the hard one where physically it's really hard. So you don't want to play around too much that you would actually drop a set in what the first round. What is R&D? Research and development. So in other words, do you do- you Yeah, Joel, I didn't, I didn't learn that in journalism school. <laughs> well, I told you not to major in journalism. I told you, <laughs> you know, I told you that. So it's too bad that we met uh, Gil in his junior or senior year, and he couldn't have changed his major anyway. <laughs> that you're going to the most prestigious, you know, broadcast media school in the world. So um, it's just a question of I, that's a really good point, Amy. It's like, hey, Novak, in Novak's mind, I played four clay court tournaments. I've, I've trotted out lots of the plays. Let me just go go through this meat and potatoes and get through this as quickly as possible instead of suddenly getting all cutesy wootsy and next thing you know I'm down one three in the third set and I gotta pull something out to keep it from going four yeah I see I see what you mean Nadal has Jordan Thompson around one one zero head to head uh lone meeting at Nadal's least favorite tournament the Paris Masters and Rafa still won in straights uh Thompson's coming off a loss to the world number 225 in the I don't know, Tunis, Tunis Challenger. I don't know uh, exactly where that is. Um, Tunisia? And, no, it's T-U-N-I-S. Oh, okay. Tunis, yeah. That's, Tunis? Yeah, that's in Tunisia, yeah. Oh, it's in Tunisia. I'm it's, sure. Maybe, is it a city? Well, <laughs> I mean, I will, look, now, now that we've discussed it. Oh, it's the I, capital. I, it's the capital of Tunisia. Yeah, I, okay. I've got a good friend in Tunisia. Shout out to Amin. How are you? <laughs> Glenza, a mean Glenza. Um, so they played at the Paris. So I guess um, this is a, a, a cinema reference. Gil. They'll always have Paris of uh, uh, Jordan mm. and, um, and Rafa. I mean, yeah, Jordan and Rafa. So I think that's a pretty user-friendly one for Rafa also, don't you guys think? Yeah. Totally. Yes, but we'll be able to gauge how he's feeling and, you know, the look on his face and his movements. We'll, we'll have some idea. Mm-hmm. The, the grimace factor yeah mm-hmm. pretty much pretty much uh well it's gonna be a fun ride we look forward to covering this roland garros thanks everybody for watching remember we're available on all podcast platforms we appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on apple and if you're watching on youtube like comment and subscribe we will see you next time on the next episode of the group